Welcome to the Electricians Co-op. I'm your host, Rob Russ. And I'm Jamie Small. On today's show, we have Rebecca Cushway from Careers Excelled Organisational Psychology. Rebecca has over 25 years of experience working in organisational psychology and counselling. She uses this experience to apply a deep understanding of human behaviour, organisational systems to improve individual, team and organisational performance, productivity, effectiveness and well-being. Over the last several episodes, the theme of the successful small business owners that we've interviewed has been their people. And Rebecca is a people expert, and she's here with us today to talk about leadership, career development, company culture, and much more. Grab a pen and paper because you're going to want to take some notes. Let's get started. G'day, Jamie. How are you, mate? <laughs> Pretty good, Rob. How about yourself? I'm feeling a bit rusty, actually. <laughs> it's been <laughs> about days. 10 days since we've done a podcast together, and I made a few mistakes there, but all good. We can fix that in editing. How are you? Yeah, really good, man. Really good. Pumped to be here. I'm covered in gyprock dust right now, so... <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> had to freshen up when I walked in the door, so Lo- feeling, a bit, feeling a bit better now. Good stuff. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Hey, Rebecca. Thanks, Rob. Nice to see you again. Hi, Jamie. Nice to see you. Yeah, Hi. Ditto. Well, I'm really, I'm really excited to be doing this podcast today, and I'm always excited to be doing a podcast because it's my favorite thing in the whole world to do. Workplace culture and psychology are some of my absolute favorite topics to discuss. So before we get into any of that, I just want to get a little update from you, Rebecca, if you don't mind. How's business in your world? How has how's COVID impacted you? Is everything okay? Yeah, everything's good. It's um. What COVID's really done is a few things. It's changed the way I do business. Don't get on a lot of planes anymore. Thank God. It's fabulous. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of this, Zooming, which um, is also great. But it's also given me some time to think about what I really want to focus on, which has been fabulous for me. Excellent. So has has business declined or has business accelerated over COVID? Because I know the tradies that we have on this podcast, their businesses is are accelerating. But on the other side of the coin, on my other podcast that I talk about uh, COVID, people's businesses have crashed and burned badly. How have you fed? It's probably it remains stable to be, I guess, the, yeah, it's been very stable. What um, has changed is the type of work I do. So because I'm moving around less, but we're only talking about through lockdown. We're well out of lockdown now. So things are back to normal. A lot of it was one-on-one Zoom work. And I used to do a lot of group work prior to lockdown group works back with a vengeance i've been doing that kind of work again but it's just the way i work that's really changed i had a meeting the other day and i was all excited to put some nice clothes on and get in the car and i was like 15 minutes away from home going man why don't i just do this on zoom Exactly. <laughs> this is why I'm doing this with Zoom now, right? <laughs> so much easier. Only the top it half is, needs to be is. dressed. The bottom half can be just whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Beck's got a pajamas on underneath there. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not tell you. <laughs> <laughs> did you end up keeping your office, or did you move everything to home, or? In my office right now, I did during lockdown move everything home because there was actually an outbreak in my building. Oh no um, way. Yeah, so I thought that's a good time to make the decision. That was very early in the piece. And then I've been doing, seeing dribs and drabs of people, you know, bits and pieces back in the office. But honestly, most of my work has been out of the 
office. Yeah, yeah, right. So, Rebecca, I know you're a psychologist, but what's your background? So, I basically left uni and went straight into a psychology role. The type of psychology role I went into, you guys might remember the old CES, which now we call Centrelink. Yep. Um, my first job as a psychologist was to assess long-term unemployed people in the CES. Often they had disabilities. Did they qualify for disability support? How could we get them back to work? Those sorts of things. I did a lot of training. I did case management. I moved into some drug and alcohol work for a very short time and some clinical work, which I really didn't like. And then left my first job and went via the recruitment route. So selection, assessment, and broadened into organisational psychology. Was that first job a government job? No, but it, one of the main contracts was a government job. CES is Commonwealth Employment Services, right? It was, yes. That's what yeah, it was. I, yeah. That um, brought back some pretty fond memories. Um, that's why Jamie was quiet. <laughs> I remember back when I was living with my mother, we spent lots and lots of time lining up out the front of CES, which is now Centrelink. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> lots yeah. of time in case study interviews. Yeah, and COVID probably brought memories back of those images for you, no doubt, with Job Seeker and all the things that have been going on. So, yeah, that was a very diverse role and it was a great first role for me because you get a lot of exposure to people with serious clinical issues, really serious mental health issues. And you get a lot of people who are just in, so you get a full range and that was a good intro for me. So really, from the beginning of your career as a psychologist, you started working in the employment space, which is really relevant to the podcast today and the things that we want to cover with you and and talking about workplace culture and whatnot. What are some of the common reasons that people are unemployed long term that are not related to mental illness or mental health or anything like that? Is it just because they can't get a job? They're lazy. Everyone that has a job says that everyone that doesn't is lazy. Or is it attitude? Yeah, what is it? The other cohort of people that we saw I'm talking way back and things have changed now, but not necessarily poverty. So a lot of the work that we did was in areas of Sydney where there were high levels of intergenerational poverty. And so when you grow up in an environment where you're deprived, where you might not get breakfast, where you might not get school, where your parents are still asleep, drunk on drugs and you can't get to school, you learn what the norms are. So a lot of particularly young kids, which is heartbreaking, you'd see 16, 17-year-old kids who didn't know any better. And it's a big jump for them to get a job versus if you know, you've had an upbringing where you've been supported and you learn the value of work. So, so there was a lot of that. It's not necessarily laziness, it's culture right. um, and how you, how you grow up. That must have been a shock for you coming out of university and going directly into that. Had you been exposed to anything like that before? Growing up, mum has always been involved in charity work and I was always across, you know, she would take food parcels out to different families in different areas of Sydney. So I'd always heard the stories. But part of it I probably wasn't exposed to growing up going to a private girls' school, you know, being really spoiled rotten basically, (laughs) was the impact of drug and alcohol. And I remember one of the first people, one of the things you have to assess is learn to do as a psychologist is assess neurofunctioning. And I had to do a memory test to check out this young 16-year-old's level of disability. And he'd been sniffing aerosol cans. And he was basically functioning at a level where there was no chance of him ever working because he couldn't remember anything from one moment to the next because of what damage that had done. And that did rock me. That was really heartbreaking because 
he would never have a normal life. He'll never have a chance of employment. Seeing that side of life and what led him to that point, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to take. Yeah, definitely, definitely is. So let's fast forward a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about what an organisational psychologist actually does? And can you explain how you help people in the workplace uh, with what it is that you do? So organisational psychologists look at helping individuals in the workplace, whether that's to climb the career ladder, whether that's to find them suitable work or place them, or whether that's to help coach them and cope with difficult times. That's the kind of stuff we do with individuals. The other thing that organisational psychologists do that's unique to this branch of psychology is we work with systems or groups or organisations. So most psychologists have a black couch, I'm joking, black couch in their office and they sit down and tell you problems. It's not necessarily the mode of organisational psychology. So what we tend to do is look at the way systems are set up, look at the way people interact broadly and look at what that might be driving in a workplace. And some of the things that I often get called in to investigate, workplace culture issues, bullying is often sadly a thing that I get called into. But the other, on the other side of things, you know, very recently I was working with one of the NRL clubs to build their culture and values as positive and, and they were launched last week. So building strategy for an IT group because they were just reacting. So stuff like that, um, helping small businesses recruit better because often they will make the same mistakes over and over again if they haven't been given some tools to work with. So um, getting their teams to work together so that they can work effectively when the boss is away, not just when the boss is standing there supervising because that's time consuming. So all of those sorts of things are in that gamut. It's pretty broad. So yeah. if a business owner came to you and they had a sort of cultural issue within their business, what's what are some of the tips or tools that you give the business owner to sort of help them through that? So the first thing I would say to them is don't blame the people. Because one of the things, as, well, not necessarily. Hold one on a minute, things, hold on a minute. The bloody people never listen. <laughs> and you have to ask why. And they're not listening to me, guess. the leader. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the first thing that people do, and it's not just small businesses, it's all businesses, when they ring or contact, they say, I've got a problem with this person. And my first instinct as an organisational psychologist is to go, okay, there may be a problem with a person, but what might be driving that behaviour in the system? And, and what's usually the answer is usually a number of things. Workload is a big one. So excessive levels of workload and under-resourcing. And in a lot of the businesses and government organisations I've been working with since COVID and throughout COVID, that's been a big one, particularly frontline services. I do a lot of work with health. So that has been a massive issue. That issue, I don't think, is ever going to go away. But how people will respond to that kind of environment is generally unhealthy. It'll either be to kind of completely melt down because if the human body can only take so much or there might be ways or things like avoiding behaviours coming, all sorts of things or conflict definitely creeps in. So sometimes things like workload or work distribution or unfair rosters or preferential treatment, and that's when we start getting into leadership, are problems. Sometimes it's poor communication. So, And sometimes it is the person. And sometimes it's all of the above. And mostly, actually, when I get called in, every box is ticked. Would you say, <laughs> so, Rebecca, that um, if someone's got a poor attitude in terms of rostering or their workload... It- 
can you fix it by paying them more? No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a loaded question because I, I kind of knew that was the answer because money doesn't make people mm. happy. And by no. paying somebody more necessarily doesn't make their job easier or better, does it? You've got to solve the right problem. So when someone's complaining about a roster, you've got to, again, ask why. So the key thing for businesses to do is to ask why, what's causing this, rather than just jump to the solution. So often roster issues, and look, you know, with COVID, I've got to say my life was pretty luxurious in COVID. Like, you know, I could be wearing pyjama bottoms down there for all you know. I was doing that at home regularly. You know, I didn't have to wake up an hour earlier to get to work. I'd just throw on my face, have a cup of coffee, and I was off. I could throw in a load of washing, you know, all that sort of stuff, which makes my life easier, I've got to do during COVID. Back to normal, I don't have that luxury now. And one of the things that COVID's taught us is people need work-life balance. And sometimes, rosters as an example, it might be around, this is directly causing me direct conflict at home, can I renegotiate? Sometimes that's possible, sometimes that's not. And I often hear things at rosters, well, how come all the people with children get the best rosters and the people that don't have children, mm. you know, all of those things happen and that creates disharmony and culture. Yeah. I, I certainly at ProImageological try and share it around because I know some guys are better than other guys at certain things and I'd rather get the young guys digging holes and climbing through roofs and under floors, but I try and share it around so it doesn't feel like that to the staff. So I suppose I, I've been accidentally doing that, but it sounds like I've been in the right thing. I think you've been intuitively doing that. My son's actually just started an electrical apprenticeship this oh, yeah. year, coincidentally, <laughs> and his boss is great and he does exactly that because that kind of attitude of, ah, oh, you're the first year and you're going to get all the crap jobs people don't cop that anymore they disengage and lose motivation very quickly so it's really important to be fair to spread it around but to also teach them the value of the reason why they're doing some of the crap jobs because there's value in that yeah do you still dig holes jamie yeah well look at me now i'm filthy (laughs) i think yeah yeah you you literally are man you're covered in the jib yeah. I threw this on myself before. I, in, <laughs> no, I think it's important for the guys to sort of see me digging and ripping in when I need to be is, or, you know, to prove to them I've still got it. No one's too good to do any role, I believe, and I That's think right. it's important to share it around. So, like you said, people don't feel like they're, oh, what does is, what is the guy with kids get to go home early? Why don't I? And so yeah. I, think it's, I think it's important to be fair because it's a two-way street. Yeah. It's important for both of us to be happy, the employer and the employees, because if you've got un- yeah. unhappy employees, they're going to represent you badly. Yeah, so true what you're saying. I think intuitively maybe the psychologist on the call here can correct me if I'm wrong. Intuitively, we all have a BS, internal BS meter. I know if it, I know if it's true or it's not, but we also intuitively have an internal fairness meter. Yeah. And yeah. that's not fair, man. Why do I have to do that all the time? You know, here my, the yeah. pitch of my voice goes up because I've used those words a lot in my life where I've like, it's not fair. Yeah. Why, why, is, why me all the time? It always feels like me. Well, we don't me. say that in my home. If, if my kids say it's not fair, I'm like, mate, life's not fair. Oh. It's as simple as that. Oh. Like good people get sick, good people yeah. get sacked, good people, you know, have bad things happen to them. So I just, we try not to use that word at home but I know what you're saying yeah in a workplace though like you your fairness meter really does get triggered sometimes so even yeah I know what you mean yeah yeah sounds like you're doing a good job there Jamie it's good stuff I just fluked it (laughs) just fluked it hey I don't think so (laughs) hey Rebecca you you do a lot of work on the negative side of things meaning you're coming Mm. in to help workplaces but you you mentioned there that you've been working with an NRL club on the positive side of things what's your favorite part of doing that type of work that must be a lot of fun because it's it must be refreshing for you because you don't get it all the time 
It is refreshing because players in particular who might not have had higher education, they've just come from school, there's kind of that fun culture and that competition, the cheekiness, the playfulness, but so much heart, so much engagement. I loved that. I felt like working with that particular club, there was so much authenticity about the people and I love working with people who are just like that. You, I went in thinking, oh, my God, I'm not built like anyone athletic. I must look ridiculous to these people. And they must, that was my thought. <laughs> Immediately there was connection because we talked about values and I was really amazed yeah, by their the engagement. culture, what you see is what you get. There's no BS. Like yeah. if, they, if they think something's red, they'll call it red. They won't call it black. Right. Yeah, Jamie, was a, Jamie was a pro footballer for a while. Okay. I was a battler. Well, I was a battler. Jamie. <laughs> when you went in there to do that work with them, did you see anything negative that you had to fix up? Not on the day, no. Oh. No, it was um, not at all. They were ready for it. Nice. So they were ready for this. And doing that kind of work, and what's important about that is people got to be ready for that. So when you go in and try and build values and often get called into when the organisation is not ready because they're reeling from something really bad, you kind of got to give them space to kind of process that. So timing is really important with these sorts of things. I know yeah. we spoke about culture within within the actual business, but what about your customers can you create a culture with your customers and builders and clients as well i agree i think i think you can and how do you do that well i think it comes down to who you want to be for them so for me i'm not a very transactional person i'm not a person that wants to kind of flip move on and next i want to kind of make sure with every customer that they can fly without me so that means that I'll say to them, I'm happy to work until this is right. It'll cost this much money. And if I take longer to do that, it's still only going to cost that much money because I feel like it's my responsibility to get it right. In working that way, that means I have to be very careful up front in diagnosing the problem correctly. You wouldn't want to quote a house as an electrician and say it's going to cost $5,000. I have no idea how much it costs. I'm sure that's well under what it costs to rewire a whole house. Fifty. Um, oh, there you go. I'm, I'm only joking. Um, oh, okay. That's right. I'll, I'll keep that in mind when I get a quote from you one day. <laughs> you want to really have a good look in there and before you actually come up with that quote. So my approach to that is to do a really, really comprehensive needs analysis. That means I give a lot of away a lot of free advice. I don't care because I want people to use it. And then when they work with me, I truly partner with them. So I, I'm not a person that goes, okay, every fifth, like you've probably been to a lawyer in your life once or twice, every 15 minutes it's ching, ching, ching. I'm not into that. I find that ridiculous. I can't work that way. But that does work for some people. They're really, really important points there about customers and training customers because when you're in a small business and you're working, particularly when you're starting off, you just want to take all the business that comes to you. But you have to learn quickly to say no to particular types of work because they won't align to what it is that you're doing but then you also when when you start getting that regular work you've got to train those people and make sure those people fully understand how it is that you're working in they have a a little bit of time to anticipate how this relationship's going to go it's a really important topic rebecca tell me what's the outlook for 2021 for you is it looking positive for your business what are you thinking It is actually. It's looking positive. Part of that was reflection in COVID where one of the things I did was because of the shortage of psychologists and the increase in mental health issues, I decided to sign up to be a Medicare provider. Now, 
that's not really what I want to be. <laughs> and I learned from that. I thought, you know, this is not what I want to do, but I did it anyway. You know, we still make mistakes well into our careers. And it, it's just not me. It's not the spectrum of who I am. But I thought, no, I should lend a hand because they're desperate for more of us to sign up. Is that up. bulk billing you mean? Bulk billing. Yeah, right. and, and it's not the issue about the bulk billing. It's the process of dealing with the system around yeah. Well, it's excruciating. So that's not me and it's not the group that I really want to work with. So that's not happening. And I've been very clear about what I want to do moving forward. And what I really want to do moving forward is more of the helping businesses lead with purpose and lead on the positive side. So I'm actually in the process of developing purpose-led training, writing, all of those sorts of things. And I'm amalgamating 25 years of experience, going back, looking over client records, looking at data. What are the trends? What are the things that I've seen? What's worked? And putting that all together. Yeah, excellent. Great to hear the outlook is positive. It's good stuff. Let's take a little break. Jamie, we've arrived at the part of the show, which is normally the success tips, but we don't have success tips on uh, the Electrician's Co-op podcast today. What we've got is workplace culture tips, and it's a bit of a fun rapid fire thing here for you, Rebecca. We're going to put you on the spot with a couple of these questions and a little bit of fun, and you can go into detail if you want, but we're looking for shorter answers that people listening to this can use and implement in their business straight away. So I'm going to start off by mocking myself a little bit and asking the question and I'm going to stamp my foot and I'm going to say I can't get my staff to do what it is that I say is that a leadership problem from me or is that a communication problem from me both I would say both so um, can't get them to do what you say ask them what's preventing them from doing it Ah, beautiful. So I, I knew I knew there'd be epiphanies in this where I just go oh god that's such a simple thing what <laughs> I've never asked that question ever. I've never asked that question. All right, Jamie, your turn. Really? Okay. <laughs> My team doesn't work well together. What do I do? The first thing I would do is ask them, why are we all here? I like asking why questions. Why are we all here? And sometimes they don't even know why they're there. Well, and I was like, just going to say that. <laughs> I've never asked that question either. <laughs> yeah, big questions. What are we all here really to do? What's stopping us from working together? And I might also individually check if people feel safe to work with other people. But I wouldn't do that in a group because people aren't going to open up in a group if I ask the safety question. So one of the things I have to do is watch really carefully and notice people's behaviour. And if I feel like somebody's kind of a bit holding back, like, how are you comfortable? Do you feel, you know, I notice you don't talk a lot. Do you feel safe? It's hard for some people. You don't have to be out there, but how do you feel here and how can we make you feel comfortable? Yeah, good one. At Pro-Image Electrical, we've got a few teams. Do you think it's important to mix them up? Or yes. It, yeah, okay. Because I, yes. I know a few of the guys get a bit chummy together when they're working yes. together all the time and I try and mix it up to sort of yes. put them out of their comfort zone and learn different ways. So do you think that's good? I think that's great for a couple of reasons. First of all, you might find it that you've got a big job, you've got to throw everyone in together. You've got to know that they've got to understand each other and work together. And if it's the first time under high pressure that they're doing that, that's more risky. The second thing is sometimes when people are really close that's great sometimes that excludes other people though and sometimes when those close people blow up 
things get really difficult. Mm. So I would always mix things up as much as possible. Cool. What What do you mean they get too chummy, Jamie? They're kind of covering each other up, or they're doing something well, wrong. What do you think? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. Yeah, and that's the um, and, that's and the I, danger. And I always say to the guys at work, you just got to be honest with me. If you make make a mistake, put your hand up and just own it, and we can fix it together. I, yeah. I don't know. I suppose I notice a few times if a guy's working with the same guy all the time, they can fall into probably bad habits as well. Yeah. Like if someone's got bad yeah. habits, they can sort of pick those up. Whereas, particularly with apprentices, I like to share them around because everyone does things a little bit differently, and you can learn yeah. the best way from each individual person whatever's most yeah. efficient and sort of learn that way. So I know, Rebecca, you and I on a podcast that we did together quite a while ago, and I'll link to that as well, because I thought that was a really good show that we did with Mario and with Daniel as well. We talked a lot about bullying and often people in a workplace are being bullied, but they're too afraid to speak yeah. up. They don't know what to do. And that's a whole podcast and a whole topic unto itself. If I'm in, yeah. in a leadership position and something doesn't feel quite right, what can I do if I suspect something like that is going on in the workplace? How would I approach somebody and do that in a, in a gentle way? So I think it's really important to establish a relationship with as many individuals as possible. Because if you haven't got a relationship and you all of a sudden have a bullying problem, people aren't going to open up to you because they won't trust you. So prevention is better than cure. Set up a relationship first. The second thing I would do is just say, ask them, how are you going? How do you think the team's working? Are there things that could be improved? Do you think everyone's comfortable and happy? Don't have to tell me now. If you think about it, be very casual about it. Don't make it like a witch hunt or a big investigation or I know there's a problem. The other thing I think is really important to do is to notice the clicks as Jamie's talking about who's chummy and who's not, who's excluding, who's not, and bring people together where possible. And you might actually look at projects. Now, what you won't want to do is put someone who's feeling unsafe with somebody who could be potentially threatening to them. So you always need to make sure you've got buffers in there. And the other thing that I do spend a lot of time doing with different businesses is setting expectations of behaviour, but asking them, what does that look like? So what do we need to feel safe in the workplace? Guys, girls, what do you need to, what sort of things make you feel safe? What sort of things make you feel unsafe? Now, people don't like to speak that out loud. So sometimes I get give people post-it notes and they write on it. And then I gather that information and I share it collectively so that they can see that. And we're like, well, is this how we want to be? How do we really want this to work? One of the things people don't, why bullying often happens, not always, is that people don't know how to resolve simple conflicts and that often escalates. So sometimes we've just got to show people how to have that conversation just by role modelling it. Yeah. yeah, I think the communication between the employer and the employee is so crucial. I try and keep it very casual. I'll be on site and I'll explain to the guys the repercussions of doing something a certain way, whether it be not being tidy, not cleaning up after yourself, yeah. being impolite, whatever it might be, and their direct repercussions of doing that over and over again. And I sort of say yeah. to them, like, if we lose a builder, it could directly impact not only yourself, but your apprentice as well, because that means we don't have work. So. I think if you relay the reason why you're trying to do things a certain way rather than just go, just do it this way because I said, relay the repercussions and how it can impact everyone. And we've got mortgages, we've got kids, we've got responsibilities, we've got rent. Yeah. And if so like one of the guys is about to buy another house and I said to one of, the, one of the younger guys yesterday, I said, you know what, such and such is about to buy a house. Can you imagine if we lose that builder and he has to say to the bank, I've lost my job. 
that really sort of hits home, I suppose, and it makes you sort of realise, okay, yeah, I know why I need to do that now. Yeah, absolutely. Explaining the reasons. And I think the other good thing that leaders can do is ask questions. So ask, rather than tell, ask. So what do you think would happen if? Mm. So they're having to think as much as possible rather than you're always yeah, having yeah. to tell because it engages them in that and they take a bit more ownership. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Rebecca, over the last couple of podcasts that we've done with other electricians and finding out what makes their businesses tick, workplace culture has been a center or a central theme of the conversation. And one of the things that they talk about and these these folks have talked about on these interviews is that the culture of their businesses naturally weeds out the people that don't fit in there. So... I'm going to ask the question the other way around, and I guess it's a question without notice a little bit. If if you are that person that's inside of a workplace that doesn't feel like you fit in, and for some reason things don't seem to be working out, but you need this job, you want to be here, you want to be part of this, you're, you're trying to be a better person and advance your career like everybody in their life, but if it's not quite working for you, are there some tools or is there something that you could recommend that those people do? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I actually had a call about this this morning and it was a very senior person in a very prominent organisation. One of the things that often happens in that scenario, sometimes it's about their expectations, that person's own expectations. But sometimes it's about the general feel of the culture is just not comfortable for them. Maybe it grates against their values. One of the things I advise this person to do this morning, they're a very senior person in a, a prominent organisation, is to come clean with the senior person that they report to and say, look, I'm actually been a bit uneasy lately. I'm feeling uncomfortable because I'm noticing these kind of things going on and it just grates against me and I'm, I'm just not sure what to do with it. And I really like the work that I'm doing. I'm just really not sure. What's your take on that? Now, if the senior person says, well, toughen up, this is how it is, go. Find an organisation where you're going to feel comfortable because you've come forward, you've tried to resolve it. It depends on how badly and the reasons for not fitting in. If it's racial, if it's sexual harassment, if it's some workplaces, people swear like troopers and that goes against the grain, things that touch on values and the culture ain't changing, you might want to look somewhere else because that's hard to deal with. But if it's something that's more process-oriented or that person didn't quite understand what I was saying, that can all be resolved. We had a female apprentice for three years of her, first three years of her apprenticeship. And when we first met, she was an absolute champion girl or woman now. But I sat her down and said, listen, you are in a male-dominated industry. You're going to hear swearing, you're going to hear all sorts of things. It's, funnily enough, when she was on a building site, everyone was on their absolute best behaviour trying to <laughs> impress her. But she was, she was attractive, you know, so everyone loved her being on site. Yeah. And she actually became like like a little sister to me. She was a, a legend, but she was aware of it. And the whole energy of the building site changed when she came on site, which is really cool. Yeah. So For the better? Oh, mate, it was, it was a really good atmosphere. We're, we're known as the electrical company with the female apprentice. So it, was, it worked well. It was a differentiator <laughs> ourselves. Uh, I've been lucky enough or maybe unlucky in my life to have had people within my organisation and within the businesses and when it's particularly in the military where there is there are people in roles that they shouldn't be because they're incompetent mm-hmm. and yeah. you can look at that person and you can ridicule them all you want and you can give them a hard time all you want but what you really should do is go over there and help them and pull them 
through the problems that they've got and help them mm. to become competent. And I can tell you just from experience and my experience, particularly in the military, is that it's an enormous, enormously gratifying thing to help somebody become competent who six yes. weeks ago was on the verge of losing their job. It's like, well, you know, if I kind of commit to not being a jerk about it and actually go and help somebody because the person needs help, but they don't know how to ask for help or how to get that. And I guess it's just the culture within the units that I was working in that enabled that and allowed that as well. So that's yeah. that's another approach as well, I think. Yeah. Well, obviously the culture in your unit made it safe to ask in the organisation, in the, in the phone call that I got this morning, I know in that organisation it's safe to ask. Yeah. I think they'll get a better response going about that way. So the first question when you're giving advice on that is, is this a safe organisation? So I'm working with another organisation where somebody came to me in an emergency situation because the person was having a panic attack at work and it turned out that there had been ongoing bullying for about three years. Mm. And the person's health, like all sorts of things that you can link directly back to it. They wanted me to represent this information to the organisation. I wasn't so sure if that was safe, but they insisted. And I basically came down on it like a tonne of bricks. So in that organisation, you know, I'm like, "Mm, is it safe? I don't know if that's such a good idea, knowing the background. So it really needs to be safe to do that. And if it's safety is the most important thing. If you're not safe, it's not right unless you can influence the safety of the organization then you need to kind of think about other options i don't say that often but sometimes that is the option you hear a lot of people speaking about staff being performance reviewed how important do you think it is for a small business to performance review their staff i believe that you should be having conversations all the time and at no point in time should there be any surprises yeah And the need to document it should be about documenting achievements and things we can help you improve on. I often wonder whether the idea of performance review is used to avoid an honest conversation with someone. And I can't stand formal structures that replace honest conversations. It should be something you do daily. You just catch up. Absolutely. That's good advice. Absolutely. And sure, at the end of the year, like, you know, you're dealing with electricians. So I know my son's a first year. It would be great for him to kind of remember how much he's progressed and what are the things that he really needs to work on so that by the end of his four years, he's good to go and he's adding value and he's happy. And if he stuffs up, we all do, he knows right then and there, not waiting for some ridiculous meeting that we have once a year or whatever. To know that that's just unfair when people do stuff like that. Yeah, I like that advice. Yeah, I like that a lot. That was a question that was coming up: was how can we get a company back on the path to improving and rebuilding their company culture? And it sounds like more open communication and better yeah. uh, relationships with your staff members. There, Rebecca, yeah. I know you work with a, a lot of toxic workplaces. Can you share a, a horror story with us? Something maybe a little <laughs> bit funny that we go, "Oh my god, I can't believe that happened." Or none of it's really funny <laughs> in real life, but maybe looking back at it, it's funny when when it's happened now. There are honestly some that you could make cartoons out of. They're so funny. Like they would look like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. (laughs) There is one in particular that I'm thinking of that I have to be very careful so I don't reveal what kind of organisation it was. Sure. But I was sent out somewhere in the outback to a very small town and the organisation looks after clients. I won't say in what way. One of the people that looked after clients was accused of assault of a client and half the town was 
for this person and half the town was against this person. There were only two pubs in town. And I said, why do I have to stay in the house owned by the organisation? And they said, because if you stay at this pub, they'll think you're for this person. Oh. And if you stay at this pub, they'll think you're at this person. <laughs> Unbelievable. Gets worse. So I was interviewing multitudes of people from the town, from the twin town, and the mayor rocks up at my doorstep unannounced. Now, remember, I'm a female from the city that's gone to the outback that knows nobody there, that's getting food delivered. I'm not allowed to leave the house unless I'm going to the site, the work site. And the mayor pops in and goes, so which way is it swinging? Because I'm on this side. And then rings me a week later and goes, and my daughter's a barrister in Sydney. Oh, and what, what are like, okay, so that was toxic. My, my job, so it wasn't just the organisation. You see this in small towns. It's the community. Right. So that's what makes it really hard to deal with. And I really had, my job was to try and figure out, can we save this? <laughs> like, is this savable? Yep. And there was a police investigation going on at the same time. So it was a mess. The only way I could see it working was if we removed the leader because the leader was against anyone who supported the person who was accused of assault. Gosh. And that was being seen through rostering and all sorts of all sorts of unfairness issues. I'm happy to say that that did happen. The leader just went to overseeing one one site, not two. The person that was put in place was excellent at community engagement, had really clear boundaries. The leader did previous didn't have good boundaries and that was driving a whole lot of problems and was being, what's the word, uh, there was nepotism going on, all sorts of crazy things going on. So it was an absolute mess. But what flabbergasted me was, yes, the mayor rocking up at four o'clock in the afternoon and, yeah, that that was like clear attempted intimidation. Jamie, have you have you ever seen any uh, assaults on a on a work site on a like a construction site? The people punching on? Uh, not punching. Lots of arguing, but yeah, no no real fights. And I've obviously never had to do that myself, or with debt collection reasons either myself. But back to the culture there, Rebecca. We've started training in the morning prior to work as a group, personal training. You know, doing some like right. a circuit training. How do you think? that would affect our team long-term in a positive manner or for any other business at that manner? Oh, I think it's a great idea. If you can do something together as a group, whatever it is, and I think exercise is great for that. There's the bonding. It's non-formal. You're actually letting off steam before you go in. It's, there's so many benefits to doing that. I think it's brilliant if you can do it, and if, especially if everyone can do it. I think it's it's great, and sometimes everyone can so lunchtime, I know it's hard on the work site. It doesn't quite work like that with lunchtime, but once a week, maybe, you know, getting everyone together by physically buying lunch or something like that or once a month or whatever, whatever's reasonable, that helps. Yeah, I think it's those little things. Like I suppose I've even done before, if the guys are across the bridge working on a job in a roof and it's really hot and I can't get out there, I'll Uber Eats some Gatorade yeah. to them. Just little things yeah, like that, you know. I think that's really important. It shows they care. More often than not, rock up with coffees or baking egg rolls. I did this morning with a few of the boys. And it's only a little thing. It doesn't cost a lot, but they really appreciate it. And they it shows yeah. that you actually care about them. And I, I genuinely do. Yeah. Absolutely. It's good stuff. Every now and then you rock up with a coffee or a V here for me. And I feel like ultra <laughs> I special. I actually rocked up here with three boiled eggs today. <laughs> I forgot One for each of us in the room here. That's all good. <laughs> all right. <Easter>
Becker. We've covered a lot of ground on the podcast today. Learn about your career and learn about what it's like to work with red tape in government and stuff like that as well. But you've given us some great advice. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity here at the end of the show to maybe add something that you might have thought of but you haven't said did we leave anything out or have we covered everything for you the main thing i would emphasize is it's important to understand why before you figure out what you want to do i think that's the most important thing and i think the second most important thing is to give everyone a fair crack no matter what level they're at in that hierarchy of you know electricians and to use strengths as much as you can so use people's strengths and give them a chance to shine and have those conversations straight away don't sit on things talk straight away in a non-threatening way get it off your chest you straight say, away. say a positive thing before a negative thing you know what i'm not a fan of that sandwich idea positive <laughs> negative positive because some people just remember the negative and some people just remember the positive and completely miss the negative <laughs> I, i'm more inclined to just if something comes up deal with it then but what's important is to look for the positives. There was a mild fence sit right there. I don't like the sandwich, but you've got to look for the positives. <laughs> but, but when they come up, don't wait to give it to them in the sandwich. It's as soon as it comes up, it's like, that was great. You made a really good call there. Thank you. Yeah, beautifully said. I just wanted to say a big thank you for coming on the show and spending some time here with us, with Jamie and I in the, in the audience here. I really appreciate that. So thanks very much. Thanks no worries. My pleasure, guys. Excellent. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Go to my website, careersexcelled.com.au. They can give me a call. The business number is 02989999674. They can Google me. They will find me on LinkedIn. I'm not very active on LinkedIn for the same reason as you, Rob, but they can um, just Google Rebecca Cushway. I'll come up. They can Google Careers Excelled. It'll come up. Too easy. And I'll make sure that the links are included right there in the show notes so you won't have to go digging around for them. And if you need a hand with your workplace culture, leadership, or anything else that we've talked about today, please reach out to Rebecca because I know she'll be able to help you. Jamie, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way, mate? At Pro Image Electrical on Instagram or what's our website called again? Oh, baby, via the community. Community the, page. The, yeah, baby. Yeah, the electricianscoop.com <laughs> forward slash free. And I'd love a connection via Instagram as well. Just rob.bruss77. And that community is going to start ramping up in the next couple of weeks. I've had to move houses. The regular listeners would know that's all finished. So the I'm going to pull out the chocks and kick the tires and light the fires, baby. And I'm going to send this thing into the stratosphere. There's going to be lots of people joining. So if you haven't already joined, just go over to theelectricianscoop.com forward slash free. And make sure you hop on that link and go and check it out. Jamie, the parting comments all yours today, mate. What have you got for us? You only live once. But if you do it right, once is enough. Oh, that, <laughs> you went deep, man. You went deep for the parting comment. Let's get out of here. Let's finish off. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, See Jamie. Rebecca. See, See you, guys. No worries, guys. Bye. See you. One step away from having it all. Boyfriend, girlfriend, fancy car. You're insatiable. You just want more. Climbing mountains, crushing your goals. But you put your happiness on hold. Still waiting. Start living. You need to know you're beautiful. You're perfect just like you are. Release your control. Start to let go. Take a night off and let yourself go a little crazy.
Take a night off and let yourself go a little crazy 